Hey everybody, it's Allie and welcome to our Y&R chat for Sunday, September 27th, 2015. A lot of things happened this week, but my favorite moments of the week were Michael and Lauren's reunion. I mean, it probably took up, what, 10 minutes of screen time? And yet, it was by far the thing that made me the most happy, the thing that gave me chills, that gave me tears. That was my moment of the week. I've always been a Michael and Lauren fan. They're just my darling couple. They work. You know, it's not just a hot, passionate relationship. They also really, really understand each other. And they were going through this process of getting back together, trying to date where when, you know, I mean, they've been married for 10 years or more. Going back to dating status is is weird and awkward. And you can't pretend that the past was never there. So um, just seeing them having these easy scenes at the coffee house. I, I loved that, but I appreciated that they kind of forego, they went to decide to forego the formalities and, you know, really dig into who they are, who their, you know, what their relationship is. And I just got completely teary when Lauren asked him to just come home, just come home. It felt so good. And I think Michael was shocked by that. I think he feels incredibly guilty for pushing her away and for pushing her away when he was sick and when she needed him. And by the way, has Lionar addressed the status of Michael's health? I don't think so. Um, I, I frankly just almost wish it never would have happened. I could have maybe dealt with the cancer storyline, but... The fact that he pushed her away uh, because of the cancer was was really unexpected and strange, and I don't know, maybe it's a real story that needed to be told, but I, I, I don't know. So I just was never really able to connect with him during that time, and I think he barely understood why he was acting the way he was, and so he couldn't understand why I think Lauren just wants to be back together, and she had this great, great line where she says to him, you know, punishing you for pushing me away is just punishing me. And I totally connected in with her in that moment. You know, I mean, she loved him. She always wanted to be there for him. She was willing to dig, you know, get deep into the mar of any any negative things that he was going through. She was willing to do all of the uh, caretaking that would have gone along with him and through his chemo. And, 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 you know, even if it had meant the end of his life, she would have been there. Uh, so I, I just I appreciated her saying that in that moment that, you know, I, you know, it was never it was never those things that were, were difficult for me. It was the lack of intimacy. It was you pushing me away and not allowing me to be part of this process is what hurt me. So it was just so great to, to, to see that happen. Um, he agrees to move back home and it's followed by this passionate kiss. And yay, I'm just so, so pleased um, I can't wait to see more Michael and Lauren. It kind of almost seems like Wyoner's resetting us a little bit and we're getting back to where we were before all of this happened. Um, Lauren even went to the athletic club and she had this scene with Lily where they had a, an open conversation about everything that had happened. And Lily said, I, you know, I, Kane forgive me. Kane forgave me for, you know, everything that I did. And so there's no reason why I can't forgive you. So I guess the Lauren and Kane, uh, little affair thing is officially squashed, which is totally okay with 
me. I'm 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 team Michael and Lauren. Uh, so my only the only question I have left is when's the remarriage? Why and our better give us something spectacular for the reunion of this couple? I was so on board with the Neil Hillary. Devon storyline just two or three weeks ago. I was completely fascinated and now it's starting to lose a little bit of steam for me. I'm having a hard time figuring out, you know, what Neil could possibly be thinking. He's just got himself into a trap that I think he doesn't know how to get out of now. Um, I, we maybe thought that he was a little bit more conniving, a little bit more with, with a little bit more forethought than he was. I just almost think Neil tripped into this huge mess. He, you know, he told one lie, did one nefarious thing, and then all of a sudden it snowballed into this huge, huge, crazy uh, incident with Hillary and Avner in this boat outs and having to steal and lie to get medication for her. It just got out of his control so quickly. And Gwen seems to be the only one who has the brains to catch on to Neil. She's always questioning him. She's she's the one who is actually digging in and saying, hey, let's look at Neil. He's being weird. Yet, at the same time, she is beginning to fall in love with him. And she doesn't want to think the worst of him. But I felt so bad for her. I'm mean, Gwen is, is becoming a victim in this as well. She followed Neil out to the lake house and tipped Devon off to the fact that he was there. It was so awkward. Devon shows up at the door and Neil has to, again, make up some wild lie about how he's fixing up the house, Hillary's dream house, to give it to her. And Devon, who believes that? How could anyone believe that? Why is no one else looking, or no one else close to him looking at Neil? Where'd Nikki go? I mean, I guess uh, she's, you know, he blew her off so that she wouldn't be able to catch on to him, but uh, apparently it's Gwen. Gwen's the only one who's um who's able to, to 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 question him it's just i mean obviously we've got the whole dylan uh kevin and devon trying to work on the pilot and find out where hillary could have possibly been uh but it's just I mean, that, that part of the story for some reason i think maybe that's where it's starting to get icky for me um the the thing that i want to zoom in on the most is i guess just neil when i look at neil i see a man who's in over his head and his desperation is what is becoming the interesting story to me because when Devon finds out what he's done I mean did you see the way Devon punched that pilot I mean they're trying to question this pilot and I mean Devon just attacks the guy out of nowhere I, 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 I mean well, that was I get that you're desperate too Devon but it was just so brute force I don't know something about that was was shocking to me but when if, if Devon act, acts that way and reacts that way toward this pilot think of think of what Devon is going to go through and feel when he finds out that Neil is the one that's really behind this I wonder if that's going to be what 
sort of evens out the score because we had Hillary and Devon uh, enacting this incredible betrayal on Neil and Neil had the high road. He had, you know, the higher ground uh, because of that. But now after everything Neil's done, all that's going to be wiped away. And I don't know that there's any chance we're going to get out of this anytime soon. I feel like we're going to be stuck in that boathouse for at least another month because they've got the, um, <laughs> obviously the actress is no longer on the show. She's off on her maternity leave and YNR's got just somebody in the bed and the face is shrouded, <laughs> which is kind of funny and classic. So, uh, but I, I, I know that the actress was wanting to come back to work right away and, uh, I, and it's understandable that there'd be a gap. I just hope it's not going to be too too much longer of a gap. Um, I, I, I'm ready for the storyline to have a little bit of movement. Uh, the, I don't feel, the other thing is, I don't feel this connection between uh, Gwen and Neil. She's saying that she loves him, and I think the actress is really nice. I like her. But Neil had this moment where he talked out loud this week about how he's starting to fall in love with, with Gwen, too. And I just, I don't feel that connection. It's like, I don't know. I would have rather believed that Neil was still in love with Hillary, and that's why he was doing all of this. The Gwen factor, I, it's, I want her to bust him out. It's fine if she wants to bust him out, but if a love story is going to develop out of this, that's I'm not into that. I mean, and plus, he, he can just say goodbye to any possibility that he's going to have a relationship with her once the truth comes out. Once everybody finds out all of these horrible things that Neil's done, nobody's going to want to forgive him. And I, I, I think another one another interesting facet, again, it all lies with Neil. The interest for me is right squarely on Neil. Um how long is it going to be before Neil realizes that the only way out of this entire mess, and we saw a little bit of a preview of it this week, uh, early in the week, the only way out of this big mess that he's created is to kind of maybe pull the plug on Hillary and conceal the evidence of everything he's done. I'm really glad that Noah figured out what was going on between Marissa and Luca. It was unbelievable that Marissa and Luca would be having all of these veiled conversations about Luca's wife <laughs> and Noah sensing Marissa's discomfort. Marissa clearly uncomfortable by Luca and Noah wouldn't figure out what was going on. That was becoming unbelievable. So I'm glad that YNR didn't just decide to make Noah be a dupe for another who knows how long. He just uh, again, from watching one of these uncomfortable conversations between them, Noah just confronts her and says, you know, I don't know why you're lying to me about this. You know, it's, it's less that I'm upset about you being married. I'm upset that you're lying to me about it. And that is the truth. There's really not a good reason why Marissa couldn't have come clean with Noah about the fact that she's still married. Uh, <laughs> I think he would have been able to handle that a little bit more than the lie. But then again, therein kind of lies the crux of everything soap opera. It's always, it's always smarter to just tell the truth, but it's far less entertaining, of course. So Noah finds this out and he ends it. Can't say I blame him. Um, he's just so like Nick in that way. There's always some woman trying to keep some secret and he's always going to end up uh, being a, a fool in love at the end of the day. Um, so 
I tell you, it's definitely casting some shadow of doubt on Marissa's character. So Luca finally comes in and has this confrontation with Marissa. Actually, it was more of a plea. He just, you know, she's she's saying, I want a divorce. And he's saying, okay, I'll give you the divorce, but I want you to tell me why. Why did you leave me for Marco? Why did our marriage end? And she had some of, you know, some other reasons like your family didn't like me and this and that for, the, you know, the reason why they couldn't make it work. But it just still seems like there's something more to the story. I'm guessing Marissa's still in love with him on some level. But the bigger concern is that even though I like Marissa, I don't trust her. And I think that that it's just all this is just a consistent part of her personality. We've seen her keep lies when it comes to Marco. We've seen her keep, you know, you know, lie when it comes to Noah. I think this, I think she's just someone who keeps secrets. She would rather tell you the lie and keep you close and keep you maybe thinking well of her <laughs> rather than just be clean and tell the truth. Um, but the interesting thing, I think, is that toward the end of, I think it was Friday's show, she had another... Uh, discussion with Noah about, you know, is there any chance we can still have a relationship? And, uh, you know, he says, fine, you got to tell me the truth. And it almost looks like it's getting ready to leave her lips everything that went down with Marco and Jack and Victor. Okay, let's get into it. I think this is by far the topic that everyone's been talking the most about this week. Um, I love Patty. I, I can't even believe I'm saying it. I love the actress who's playing her. I think she just adds something unique to the show. I like Patty as a little bit of a wild card, and I like her as a wild card in Sharon's world. I mean, as if Sharon even needed that. But the fact that these two women are isolated at Fairview, at the mental hospital together, is endlessly fascinating to me. I've definitely been really, really savoring those scenes. Uh, Patty walks up and introduces herself to Sharon or says, hey Sharon, it's me, Patty. And let me tell you, it was not five seconds into that conversation, five minutes maybe, before Patty was asking about how Jack was. I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing where Patty's head is still. Patty may have made some improvements on her life, but she's still crazy, and she's still crazy for Jack, and that makes me happy too, because I just think, ooh, Patty, Jack, and Phyllis. That's going to be an interesting story. Everything that's going to end up having happening with Sharon, I think Patty might play a role in. I think she might be a catalyst in. Uh, so I think that Patty just adds kind of an interesting dimension. I'm loving her already. I kind of wanted Sharon to be friendly with Patty. I mean, she has no reason to whatsoever. I wouldn't be friends with Patty. Sharon was smart to be like, step back. I don't want to be your friend. Stay away from me. I don't even want to talk to you. But yet there was, I felt so bad for Patty when she was like, why are you being so mean to me, Sharon? Because <laughs> there's always just been something about Patty that was so childlike. And by the way, I loved um, the fact that Patty mentioned 
her miscarriage of Jack's child, and I think she even had a line that said, uh, yeah, in some ways it was my miscarriage uh, that I had that where things sort of went downhill for me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the writers really like hit the nail on the head. It's like they, they went back to Patty's history, and I think they, they, they really kind of have reimagined the character. So I'm excited to see what else they, the, they have in store for us here. Um, the second interaction between Patty and Sharon was a little more mellow. Of course, Sharon has a right to be concerned, but you can start to see that Patty's, you know, warming her way in there, and I don't know if Sharon's ever gonna uh, trust her. I mean, Patty had uh, mentioned something about telling Faith where the water fountain was, and it's something uh, so benign. Faith had come to visit Sharon, and we didn't see the scene, uh, so, uh, you know, it could have it could have absolutely just been, hey, little girl, here's the water fountain, but it also could have, that could have been a lie, it could have been something more sinister, it could have been Patty just waiting for her opportunity. Do you guys remember what she did with Summer? I mean, the woman knew that Summer, as a child, had had a peanut allergy. Ugh, this is so dumb. <laughs> it was dumb at the time. Uh, and she ate some kind of peanut bar or something, something with peanuts in it, and then gave Summer a big old kiss, sending Summer into shock, and she had to go away to some kind of um, facility to recover. I mean, the woman is devious. She has no boundaries, which, you know, and partially because she's insane, but that kind of makes her really, really fun. <laughs> so, uh, but that's from a viewer perspective, but I understand why Sharon would want Patty nowhere near her. But I mean, I don't know, maybe you guys can tell me if you felt this way, but I felt bad for Patty. <laughs> I think maybe it's just me, uh, you know, underdog. I always kind of got a root for the underdog, but I felt bad for Patty because it seems like nobody, she has no friends. She's still talking to stuffed kitties, you know? It's, it's, it's sad, but... Um, I, I understand it, but there, but there was also this moment where Patty was trying to defend herself to Sharon, and she said, you know, I know I've done a lot of bad things, but how would you like to be judged solely on the mistakes that you've made in the past, or the things that you've done in the past? And that line just dropped into the center of that room like a bomb, because that's probably going to be where Sharon turns. Um, Sharon knows that feeling better than anybody. What you know? What if anyone would understand what it's like to feel that way? It's Sharon. So it, that was such an important, uh, like, monumental moment that I think you know is is where we're going to see maybe that that uh, maybe see Sharon's attitude toward Patty turn a little bit. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, and then Patty just, like, bounced away off to crochet class. <laughs> that was fantastic. I don't know. I'm kind of enjoying our time at the metal hospital. I don't know why. I don't want to be there forever, but it was kind of good. Um, Sharon, of course, she had, uh, Dylan had brought Faith earlier uh, in the week to see Sharon, and then Noah and Mariah came to visit Sharon, and she's been having conversations with her doctor, and, of course, uh, all of these conversations are pretty much being overheard by Patty. Patty's taken a special interest in Sharon, probably because she's connected to Jack. So Patty ends up overhearing uh, Sharon talking about the fact that she had a miscarriage. Now, Sharon 
Sharon was talking to Mariah, and Mariah still thinks Sharon's pregnant. But Patty heard that uh, that Sharon had a miscarriage, and she immediately was like, "What?" She ran to the doctor and was trying to tell the doctor that Sharon was not pregnant. I don't know if the doctor's going to end up picking up on that and maybe figuring out that Sharon's not pregnant. I'm not sure, but Patty is not the person that you would want to be keeping your secret. I mean, she's like number one on the list of people I would not want to have any sensitive information about me, followed, of course, by Ian Ward. I mean, shoot, I can't get over the fact that Adam's okay with the fact that Ian knows who he is, but we'll talk about all of that later. Now, I think, I really, really think that Patty is going to play some kind of role in Sage's pregnancy, too. We know a baby swap is coming. There's just no way around it. Sage is freaking out. I mean, she's trying so hard to take care of this pregnancy and um, and, and to, to not have a miscarriage, yet Victor's in her head. She has, for some for some reason, she's fixed, well, she has reason to be fixated on Victor and that he is some kind of danger to her, danger to her baby. And she had a line even early in the week where she says, you know, I mean, people, people think that this pain and, and stuff that I'm going through is all in my head. I mean, right there, like the, the woman's going to end up in the mental hospital with Sharon and Patty or or one or the other and her baby's going to get taken from her. I think we really are going to see a repeat of what happened between Sharon and Ashley like 10 years ago. That's so it's it's just it makes complete sense to me. Uh, so that's where I'm looking for it to go. Uh, Sage this week had a collapse. She fell down on the floor and Victor happened to be strolling by and he he saw her, tried to help her, but Sage did not want his help. She was freaking out, saying, Don't touch me, Victor! You can't have my baby! Ugh! I, she was so desperate and sad and afraid in that moment. I felt terrible for her, and I felt terrible for Victor because he just walked in on it. He's just, he's just trying here trying to help someone. He does care about Sage. I think he... Well, he probably cares about the baby she's carrying, which... It would, which I can I can't understand why Sage feels the way she feels. She's feeling kind of a blown up, uh, intense um, version of it. But I understand Victor probably doesn't care about her. I guess at the end of the day, he really does care about his grandchildren and his legacy. And there's something completely creepy about that. So I can understand how Sage would feel that way. But it was really a, a, an intense moment. Victor gets her help. With, you know, the calls the ambulance, they send her off to the hospital, and Nick finds out about it, and even though Nick's trying to stay calm, Victor's kind of hanging out in the background, and Nick really laid into him. He just let it all hang out to Victor and said, you know, Sage's fear isn't completely unfounded. Look at what you did to Chelsea and Connor, forcing her to stay in the country and not be able to leave her, live her life because you wanted to keep them close. Don't you think maybe Sage has a reason to be concerned? Don't you think maybe it's possible that what's going on with Sage is happening because of you? It was really, really intense. And again, I felt bad for Victor. I can't help it because I don't think it's necessarily blatantly his fault. But uh, I just I felt bad for him. Um, 
ultimately <laughs> Stitch diagnoses uh, Sage with some kind of intestinal infection and she's able to go on her way and nothing's wrong for now. Um, Nick apologizes to Victor and it's sort of like, okay, well, I guess we're back to square one. Maybe Sage isn't, uh, maybe it isn't in her head, but I just, I still, I can't, I can't, there, there's just, <laughs> we've got one woman trying to fake a pregnancy and another woman who is pregnant and connected. There's no way this doesn't end in a baby swap. a mental breakdown and a baby swap. That's where I think that's going. And I think that Nick is going to be too busy trying to hold things together at Newman Enterprises to really be able to notice. I mean, he's, he's committed himself to making sure he, he can he can work at Newman, but only if uh, Sage doesn't need him. But you know Sage is going to continue to encourage him to work, and all the, all the, the while she's going to be spiraling uh, down into insanity. That's what I think anyway. Now, well, the Paragon Project is worming its way into Newman and Jabot and inflating things and deflating things and in general seems to be trying to make Jabot look very good and Newman look very bad. So the Paragon Project virus somehow got into the Newman computer system under Victoria's login information and authorized a sale of a billion dollar shipping company that Newman Enterprises owned and was prized and, and loved and uh, lucky Jabot happened to have been like, I don't know what sort of system they have where billion dollar companies, was it like eBay or something? All of a sudden, like, billion dollar company comes up on eBay and Ashley and Billy are there and Billy's like, buy now, buy now! <laughs> uh, so they clicked buy now and they bought Victor's company. Uh, it's, a, it's actually a pretty good thing that Jabot was the one that bought it because if anybody else bought it, they wouldn't even consider giving it back. Jack uh, is telling Ashley, uh, wait a minute, I'm kind of heading up this whole Paragon Project thing. Um, everybody at Newman says that they didn't intend to sell the company, that it has to be because of this virus. So the only uh, moral thing you can do, Ashley, is to give it back. Give it back to uh, to Newman at whatever you paid for it. Let's just get rid of it. We don't want to illegally acquire it. And we don't want to start, we don't want to be involved in this mess. But Ashley, I think probably if anybody other than Jack had told her uh, that maybe she should give the company back, she might have done it. But the way Jack kind of told her to give this company back to Victor didn't settle well with her. It made her want to fight all the more, saying, no, I, I want this company to be a success under my leadership. There's no way I'm just going to give it back to Victor. He wouldn't give it back to us, so I'm keeping it. And Jack is not having it. They end up calling this quickie board meeting to decide, uh, and I think we I think we can all guess which way it was going to go. Uh, of course, um, the, the votes came down, and everyone decided to let Jabot keep the company. Um, one thing that's sort of interesting, I, again, this is probably such a weird little thing to focus in on, but Lauren came in to the board meeting voting on Tracy's behalf. First of all, who would have thought that we would see the day that of all people, Tracy would choose Lauren <laughs> to, to vote her board seat at her father's company? I wish that they would have just had um, Tracy come on herself. I thought I heard something about the actress saying that maybe 
something wasn't copacetic, like maybe the relationships with the new writers or the new whoever's in charge uh, maybe wasn't totally jiving with her. They didn't want her. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just gossip or something. I don't know. But I, I seem to remember reading something about the actress coming out and saying that they didn't want her. So um, I guess maybe we're not going to see Tracy. I don't know why. But it's weird that, 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 that Lauren would be the proxy. I guess I can't think of who else it would be. But um, I was also kind of surprised... <laughs> That, that Lauren would, on Tracy's behalf, vote to keep the company because Tracy's always been the the well. I mean, at least in recent his, history, the let's do the right thing. The you know, the probably of all of the children, the most like John Abbott. And so I was kind of surprised that she decided to to vote to keep this company under the Jabot umbrella. And so the war begins. <laughs> and it's not just a war between Newman and Jabot. Everybody involved is caught in the middle of this mess that the Paragon Project has caused. It's causing problems between Billy and Victoria. It's definitely causing problems between Victor and Billy. And Victoria is stuck in the middle defending Billy to Victor because she's back together with him now uh, in, in one form or another. I love, by the way, the writing <laughs> for Billy, that scene at the hospital where he was just snarking, snarking back at Victor and, uh, you know, hey, why don't you put all your complaints that you have about me and put them in a box and have them shipped. Oh, oh, wait, you don't have a shipping company anymore. <laughs> that was great writing. I still like this actor, damn it. So I was happy with his delivery. I just, I think that's kind of a fun little rivalry to keep going, the Victor versus uh, Billy. And I guess the other sort of war that's igniting here is is also internal within Newman because there was just this little scene where Victoria overheard Victor and Nikki talking about the future of their family, talking about the future of Newman Enterprises, and Victoria overheard it and sort of took it in a way that... Um, it just didn't work for her. Didn't you know? Real. I think Victoria is realizing that Victor is never going to see her as the leader of the family. Even that's how she sees herself, and mostly because she's not a man. Uh, Victor is grooming Nick to take over the company, and I like that that Y&R's going here because that was always the case. I mean, if you go back twenty years, Nick was, or probably almost twenty years now. Uh, at the very least, no, probably 20 years. Uh, it was always sort of Nick and Victoria working at the company and clearly Victoria being the more adept one, yet Victor sort of favoring Nick and wanting Nick to take the helm. And I mean, Vic Victor always wanted Nick to be the predecessor. Uh, he is the future patriarch of the family and talking about how Nick uh, now needs to know what it means to keep a family together. Um, and Victoria's overhearing this and she's supremely affected ended. Uh, and I, I tell you, I can understand why she would be mad about that, uh, but I would direct that anger toward Victor. Instead, v Victoria needles Nick right outside of Sage's hospital room about how, oh, you you know, you're, you're just, uh, uh, dad's just favoring you. Hey, way to go. You just, you know, kind of bumbled your way into this position. I, you, you, you're going to end up taking over. I mean, she, it was, she was, 
questioning him and leaning into him as if Nick was trying to take the company away from her, as if he was trying to take over her position, when Nick doesn't care about Newman Enterprises the same way that Victoria does. Nick doesn't care about impressing Victor the same way that Victoria does. And I can see how Victoria feels the way that she does. She spent years working for that company, eating Victor's crow, while Nick ran a bar. And before that, he ran a coffee house. So then Nick is, you know, Nick comes in and takes the prize. It, it's, it's interesting, but it's also we're seeing a very um, insecure sort of Victoria. I think she wants to be strong, but her insecurities are really, really starting to become clear. I... I'm particularly interested in seeing Victoria's story and how it also contrasts with Ashley's story. Or, or actually, I'm sorry, it kind of compares more with Ashley's story because Ashley's sort of in a similar situation. She's struggling to prove herself as someone who can be the leader of a family, the leader of a company. She uh, it was in her office after that whole board meeting looking at the letter that John wrote to Jack and that Jack wrote to her. And she's, I think trying to, you know, make sure that she's doing the best job that she can do. And she doesn't want to let somebody come in and tell her, you know, how to do it. I'm just, I'm seeing a lot of female power kind of happening here. You know, I mean, you got, um, just Victoria and Ashley both wanting to vie for that position. And the fact that everyone is sort of acknowledging that Ashley's decision in keeping this shipping company is going to end up igniting a war, not only with Victor, but with Newman Enterprises, I'm kind of wondering if we're going to see Victoria flip sides and maybe go work at Jabot to get the autonomy that she's looking for. Fred cancels his date with Phyllis. <laughs> oh, man. They were going to have fish, you know, at the at the mansion. Miss Martinez was going to make it. It was going to be a great dinner party. And, uh, of course, Ian had to cancel because he can't let Jack see him. For some reason, uh, Phyllis doesn't know how to recognize Ian Ward, the man who almost pulled her daughter into a cult. But Jack would. So Ian knows he has to get out of this dinner party. And uh, at the same time, Jack is trying to convince Phyllis that it's not a good idea anyway, because it's not. And in order to, you know, well, actually, Phyllis goes out to the trailer to find find out why Ian canceled and she finds this letter from him that's all cryptic and Jack says please please stop pursuing this the thing is what I haven't told you is that we're starting to hear from Marco again and he's got people uh, that are still you know working in Genoa City against us so how do we know that Fred isn't someone that's sent by Marco and uh, Phyllis you know did decide she realized you know maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> this whole relationship with Fred isn't as benign as I thought it was. Uh, yeah. She's kind of questioning her ability to read people now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Fred's totally skipped town. Um, Jack and Phyllis are trying to figure out if he's connected to Marco. There was a phone call between Jack and Ian that Ian wasn't having. So I don't I don't know how exactly that's all going to connect or how Phyllis is going to find out because Ian or, or um, Ian's left the trailer. 
Also, in part due to Adam's pushing and prodding and saying, don't have a relationship with Phyllis. You need to get out of here. This is dangerous. So Adam uh, is on the phone with Ian one day right outside of the penthouse, gets a phone call from him, talking to him and saying, you know, where are you now? And Ian peeks his head out of the apartment next door. Howdy, neighbor. <laughs> He's moved in to the penthouse. He's like moving on up right from the trailer to the penthouse. He bought it online, I guess. <laughs> he also went to eBay and bought this penthouse apartment online. How on earth would he just come up with that money? I have no idea. He could, he's probably just squatting there. I don't know. But there's just, there's something... I love the Ian thing. I, I don't know why. I'm really, I'm loving Patty. I'm loving Ian. I'm loving the villains. They'll be on my nerves in three weeks, I'm sure. But right now, I'm just still loving it. Uh, I think the writing for Ian is really good. There's something so very Lynchian about it. Um, if you have ever seen Lost Highway, there was just something about that scene where Adam's talking to uh, to Ian and doesn't know where he is, and he's actually just standing right beside him. I mean, I think maybe Weiner's writing him that way on purpose because the actor's known for, I mean, he's famous for being involved in David Lynch lore. Uh, but it's just, it's so good. It's so creepy. Uh, he has so many good singers talking about brash and sassy. Man, the only thing more 80s, or don't, what was it? That name is so 80s, all it's missing is its shoulder pads. <laughs> Zing! I mean, like, who wrote that? That's so good. Except I like brash and sassy. The name that doesn't, that I don't like is Chelsea 2.0. That's so 2001. Um, I don't know what I don't know who decided to name it that, but it was it was dumb. But Ian, he's just got so many really good uh, good lines. He's got a lot of good juicy things to do. I kind of like how he's become insidious in Adam's life. Um, all of a sudden now, not only is the Paragon Project and Ian Ward becoming dangerous to Chelsea's fashion line, but now the devil has moved in across the hall. I mean, Adam's got Chelsea and a small chi- and a small child living in this condo right across from a psychopath who's escaped from prison. <laughs> it's it's the, the danger level has been upped significantly. And again, we've been talking about how Adam compares to Victor and just like Victor w- with Patty with Marco, with any another other number of countless th- things that Victor's done, Adam has just opened a Pandora's box in Ian that he has no idea how to handle. Let's read some comments, shall we? And before I start, I want to say happy birthday to Victoria. I It's a little bit belated. Her birthday was on Wednesday. <laughs> and I uh, I tend to not check my YNR messages until the weekends when I've seen all the episodes because I don't like to be spoiled. So I usually do everything in a mad dash on the weekends. I watch YNR, read all my comments, uh, and it's crash, boom, bam. But I love it. Happy ver- birthday to Victoria. Uh, Connor called in, left me a voicemail, uh, and also sent an email, by the way, with some amazing pictures of his trip to Barcelona. I love seeing, like, you guys' lives and the behind the scenes of, of you. I mean, you guys see me every week, so it's kind of cool uh, to see what your lives are like. Incredible, incredible photos of Barcelona. And Connor, in a voice message, was saying, I want more Patty. 
Um, and this Patty and this Phyllis would make a great rivalry. I so agree, Connor. That's exactly what I was thinking. I think the fact that we could possibly see this Patty and this Phyllis going head to head, I mean, it's it's going to be epic. There's something about that that's more exciting than anything else uh, for me. I'm just, I'm, I'm loving it. Um, Gary called into my voicemail and said, I like the high and mighty, I'm better than you attitude that Sharon has toward Patty, but you know those two are going to be having their heads together by next week. <laughs> I think that's a really uh, good possibility. Although I will say, let's see, who else? Uh, Noira, Noirum, I don't ever know if it's Noira M or Noirum, uh, on YouTube says, possible scenario, Patty will steal Sage's baby in the hospital to give it to Sharon to be her friend again. The question would be, will Sharon give the baby back or pass it off as, his, as her own? Uh, in this case, only Mariah would know the truth. I like that theory because it doesn't make Sharon culpable for the baby swap. swap. It allows us to have the baby swap, but Sharon is not so completely insane that she does it. It just uh, kind of puts that, you know, puts Patty into the mix to to be the, the catalyst for that. I think that's really interesting. Um, Vinyl Collectors on YouTube says, Allie, I think Sharon went to the psych facility so that she could hide the fact that the baby's not as far along as it should be from Dylan. I think she's had a mental break and thinks that she did get pregnant again and she's there to let the baby develop without being under Dylan's watchful eye. That's interesting, too. I, I feel it's kind of the interesting thing. I don't know where Sharon's head is. I don't know if she keeps blanking in and out of reality. I don't know how willful she is about, you know, duping Dylan on this in the baby the, that she's pregnant. It's so interesting to me because I can't quite peg where... Um, Sharon is. I, I feel like I can't quite peg where Patty is either because there's a part of me that wants to think she's not entirely crazy, that there's something about her or where she's where she can be possibly okay. Actually, Gary had asked a good question uh, in a voicemail that I wanted to ask you guys. Um, he, he said, what were the Patty's criminal charges when she left last. And I don't remember. And I was kind of hoping maybe you guys could um, refresh my memory on that. Because I guess, where was where was Patty when she last left? It was the whole Emily swap thing. So wasn't, didn't she like switch places with Emily in the mental hospital and go out and wreak her havoc, uh, probably getting Jack, who knows who she tried to, to kill or maim along the way. But I, I, I'd, it'd be interesting to know, or, or to get a refresher on uh, the last the last time we saw Patty, I probably should have researched that and put it together. Sorry. <laughs> I'll just leave you the question and you can tell me. Um, let's see. Eric called into my voicemail and said, Luca is cute. Don't you like him better with Marissa? And I have to be honest with you, I was feeling that this week. There is something kind of about Luca and Marissa where I think, you know, I like Marissa and Noah, but there's something. I think that could be a good triangle because Luca is cute. And I think he has a lot of potential uh, like backstory. I mean, he's from a really rich and powerful family. So rather than just seeing him as a villain, I would love it if Wayanar kind of gave us a little bit more about who he is. Um, 
Bobby on Facebook says, I swear the only thing keeping me going with these ridiculous storylines is Ian Ward and his little evil grin. <laughs> I agree. I'm an Ian fan. Um, oh, this is interesting. Keebler Olives on YouTube says, Allie, I heard this week about a casting call for an eight-year-old girl. I heard rumors flying that they were recasting and bringing back Delia, but I have a theory that it might be Marissa and Luca's child. Perhaps I don't know, um, or perhaps I don't know uh, if you've heard anything about that. I don't, I haven't heard anything about a casting call, uh, but I mean, man, that would just be another secret of Marissa's shoot. And it could be a reason as to why she didn't divorce him or didn't pursue. I don't know. I mean, that definitely is a possibility. Uh, the Delia, I'd, I'd be surprised if YNR brought back Delia. I don't know how on earth they would explain where she would come from, but I do still feel like, ugh, I mean, we gotta resolve that sooner or later. It seems like we've gotta be closing in on Adam's big identity reveal, and as soon as they reveal that Gabriel is Adam, they have to send him to jail for Delia's murder. So either we need to get some new evidence, or or Delia's not dead. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know ultimately which would be the the harder one to explain. So last week, we did another soap for soap fans giveaway where I asked you guys a question and you emailed me your answers and I'm putting you into a drawing to win this bar of handmade by me oatmeal milk and honey soap. Mm, it smells good. <laughs> I think you're really going to like this one. One of you guys is going to win it. Now, first... The question that I had asked um, is for you guys to email me one word to describe Adam. And I thought this was going to be such a difficult question because I thought about it all week and I struggled a little bit to, to try to describe a character as complex as Adam with just one word. Now, I don't know if you guys uh, love oatmeal, milk, and honey or if you really wanted to describe Adam or if more people were just watching the video and listening to the podcast, but I got a ton of responses. I'm absolutely shocked and I wanted to read you guys some of the incredible words that I got here for, for describing Adam. So I got uh, tragic, conniving, angry, relentless, devious, torn, duplicitous, complex, anti-hero, tortured, Ooh, tortured, ambiguous, envious, nefarious, sphinx, dastardly, devious, and colorful. Wow, <laughs> those are really good. I kind of, I really do like tragic because it, it's so true and I like tortured too. I, I really struggled to think, okay, well, what would my answer to this be? The best I could come up with was selfish. And I don't necessarily mean that as being in a completely negative way. I think Adam is self-centered. I think that everything he does is to facilitate something in his own best interest, which again is what makes him uh, very similar to Victor, to me anyway. But I think the beautiful thing about this exercise, having all these words for Adam, I, I think that they're all true. I mean, every single one of these words is true. <laughs> I mean, it it'd be hard to boil any down into one essence, but uh, certainly I think that he kind of embodies 
all of those things at once. But thank you so much for all of your emails. That was incredible and amazing, and I loved reading them. I did look at those all throughout the week, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so good. You guys are so much better than me. You guys are like uh, like poets. I mean, I never want to come up with, with, several, with several of those. I mean, shoot. But what I did is I put all of your names and the word that you said into a bowl here, and I'm going to draw it now and see who wins the bar of soap. I will wrap it up all nice, and I will mail it to you uh, wherever you are in the world. I'll email you to get your address, and um, you should be receiving an amazing, lathery, luxurious, beautiful bar of soap from Allie, yay! <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna take a minute to mix this up. You know, I wanna make sure I'm getting a good, I'm getting a good scoop in here. And I'm gonna pick one. All right, okay. The suspense is killing me. Okay, I'm close my eyes. I'm gonna pick one. I'm gonna dig deep. Okay, I've got it. The winner is... Bobby T. Yay! I know Bobby T from Facebook. And her word was ambiguous. Yes. I mean, he is. Adam is ambiguous. You don't really know what you're going to get from him. Ah, oh, that's so good. I'm so excited for you, Bobby. Yay! I'm going to email you. Cool. Um, so I'll save that. And I'm sorry <laughs> um, if you didn't win. I really still appreciate all of the feedback and all of the comments. And, and don't worry. I definitely have more soap to give away. In fact, I may or may not have been formulating some things that I think that you, you guys would specifically like. <laughs> so stay tuned. I'm sneaky. I'll do these little giveaways. You don't know when they're coming. You don't know where in the video they're going to be. You don't know what the question's going to be. But if you keep tuning in and keep listening, um, the, then, then the, there will be more soap. More chances to win soap for our soaps. In general, I'm just really enjoying being more interactive with YNR chat. I feel like I, you know, I can't send everybody soap. I can't um, physically respond to every single comment, every single email. Uh, so I, I, I like doing it here, and, but I, I also like giving you guys kind of reasons to interact. And um, I'm, I'm putting a new feature up on the website this week at yrchat.com that I think you guys might appreciate. Um, I always... Every week at YRChat.com, I put up a link to the weekly video. I put up a caption, a photo caption that I think is kind of funny, and I caption it, and I be snarky about the photo. I put up a poll every week, and this is something that I used to do way back in the day, and I thought I would resurrect it because something sort of sparked my interest this week. Uh, a, a little, not really a contest, but just sort of a guessing game called Who Said It? Okay, so what I'm going to do is, as I'm watching the show throughout the week, if a particularly quotable line comes up, I'm going to throw it up on the website, and if you guys want to check it, um, usually probably more on the weekend or the beginning of the week, um, then you can enter in your guess for who said the line. See how astutely that you've been watching the show. Now, I, I think some of them are probably going to be harder than others. I never quite, quite know what I'm going to... Uh, what's going to strike me, but I'm going to, I'm going to read you this week's line, um, and you can guess 
who said it. Um, I really, I think this one's going to be hard, but the line struck me and I wanted to, I wanted to put it out there. So this, this week's quotable is, fear never got anyone anywhere. Who do you think said that? Maybe you know, maybe you don't, maybe you just want to guess. Go to yrchat.com and uh, just submit your comment. I'll wait to approve them all, and um, then I'll look through, and if you guessed correctly, I will read it uh, at the end of YNR Chat next week. So if you want to guess and get a shout-out, it's yrchat.com. And of course, I always love hearing your comments, uh, reading your feedback. I read every single line of text that you email to me or leave somewhere. I listen to every single voicemail in its entirety. So um, please don't be shy. Let me know what you're thinking about the show this week. There's a couple different ways you could do that. I love listening to voicemails. My phone number is 309 588 Four five six nine. I think you get like three minutes before the beep, but if you want to leave more than one message, that's totally okay. You can, of course, go to yrchat.com and leave a comment on the blog, and you can from there find my Facebook and my Twitter page, and um, you can leave comments through there, like whatever, whatever works for you. Oh, you could go to YouTube and see video. You could go to iTunes and find the podcast. So there's lots of ways <laughs> for you guys to tell me how you're feeling about life in Genoa City. Don't be shy. I love hearing from you. Okay, <laughs> that's it for me for this week. It's always such a pleasure chatting with you guys, and I will see you next time. Bye!